1: No, I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. I'm talking about a book. Hi, everybody. I'm Connie Bowman, host of Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. And today we're talking to Renee Brent. She's a certified clinical hypnotherapist. She's a number one international bestseller for that book, how big is your butt, but she's not talking about your butt. Don't worry. International speaker she is, and she's on the faculty for the Institute of Interpersonal Hypnotherapy. She's been an RN for more than 25 years. She's worked in the ICU, trauma ER, and the recovery room, and she calls herself a happiness hunter i love that and she works with clients to use the power of the deep inner mind the subconscious mind to release blocks and help us reach personal and professional goals she's passionate about teaching people and practicing happiness welcome renee thank you so much for coming on the podcast
0: Thanks, Connie. I'm excited to be here. How about that title? (laughs) Uh, It's a lot of fun. You know, I originally was going to call the book Practice Happy and I had a chapter called How Big Is Your Butt? And everyone said, no, no, that has to be the name of the book. It's so clever. But it really says so much, you know, about the
1: B-U-T, how we stop ourselves. Totally does. Totally does. Yeah. And um, yeah, I want to get into that and talk about the book. But uh, I I just love that title and thank you and congratulations, I, I should say, for your speedy rise to the bestseller status international, right?
0: Absolutely. And it's so exciting. and It's great to say I'm an international best-selling author and, you know, for six months, whatever. It's more to me about the people are getting the message. I wrote it because we're not taught how to manage our subconscious mind, which is the boss, 95% of what we filter through all day long. So for me to, to help people gain that power, to learn those skills and just feel better in their lives
1: and happier and healthier really yeah. is just amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a fascinating subject. I did a podcast about a year ago with Mary Sidwani. Love her. She Shout out to Mary. Hey, Mary. Um, she uh, talked about kind of the basics of the subconscious or unconscious. What is it anyway? Is it the subconscious or the unconscious? I remember Psych 101 and there was some uh, you know discrepancy about what we're supposed to call it. What is it?
0: You know what it's I think it's personal preference I think I I call it the subconscious mind okay. because I think it's uh, for me I see the conscious and subconscious mind is like a big iceberg Mm-hmm. and the 5% on the top and that's your analytical mind that's your judging mind but sub underneath that is 95% the boss under the surface so for me sub really gets to what it really is which is uh what's really swirling out underneath um uh, the the surface
1: yeah and it plays an important role but and we'll get to that in a little bit but i want to talk first about your own story you you touch on it in the book And you say you were kind of in a place where you were a little bit stuck. You had, I don't want to say you had a big butt, but you were, (laughs) you had some butts that you needed to work on. So can you talk a little bit about your story and what uh, gave you the impetus for writing this book and really moving forward with this great career that uh, is helping so many people?
0: Um, Certainly. So my, you know, childhood was difficult. I had an alcoholic mother did the best that she could, and uh, I get gained a very strong personality and independence from that but also realizing now looking back it held i held some really false beliefs about myself unwanted unlovable uh, you know not not valued and uh, i did had no awareness of the subconscious mind and how it affects us every day and how we filter through that But I moved through, I found, uh, you know, a good guy, we got married 20 years, three beautiful children, and um, about 20 years into the marriage, you know, things kind of fell apart. And I had been believed that I wasn't any of those things, because I had masked it with being busy on the outside, taking care of family, working as a nurse, being a wife, and a mom. And um, when that marriage ended and I was devastated that wound was raw and I understood very quickly that a lot of my pain from about that divorce was really about my childhood I used to hide in a closet in my in my childhood and just rock myself and tell myself it's okay it's not you it's them because I was escaping the chaos and I found myself in my divorce, in my closet one day in the dark, rocking myself, saying, it's okay, it's not you, it's him. And I was like, oh, my God, this is not even about my divorce. This is about my, about my hurt child. This is about my false beliefs. Mm. So when I understood that I got some help, I was pretty open and raw, and I did a lot of work on my false beliefs. And when you heal that and you change the echo from your childhood – I could see the divorce from a clearer picture and a place of confidence. And I understood he was just trying to find his happy. And I had some accountability in that. And um, anyone can get through a divorce, the end of a relationship or a death. It's what buttons it's pushing. So you just have to deal with the inner child too. So uh, I was able to move through that. And after that, I understood that, I wanted something different and I went to hypnotherapy school. I never looked back. It was a great decision for me. And um, the lessons I learned in my entire life helped me to sit in my chair and communicate and open to my clients. And um, it's been very powerful work for me and
1: life changing. Yeah, you said so many uh, things that I, I believe many of us can resonate with. And it's amazing that any of us survive our childhood. I think in yeah. the book you say that it's those years before the age of ten that are really crucial, uh, that where we we can potentially stuff away so many uh of these um and we and we don't even have to have, as you you mentioned in your book, an alcoholic parent or major trauma. We can just be a super sensitive child coming into this world that is so chaotic and and can be uh, damaging to a delicate psyche so it, it,
0: it is and I do work with children I love teaching children this early it's amazing when they can get it um, when you're younger than 10 your conscious and subconscious mind's wide open you're in an altered brainwave always when you're young and uh, there hypnosis is only a change in a brainwave uh, uh, from a beta wave, which is very human, busy survival, to an alpha wave, which is what you feel when you're driving in a car, watching a movie, reading a good book, laying on the beach. You know, That's when you're feeling really relaxed and your arms are heavy. That's you in an alpha wave. It doesn't take long. But when you're in that state then you have access to the, you open that door to the subconscious mind. So children are always in that state. And so therefore anything that's said or done to them or event that happens is encoded as truth. So it's very important. And doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to be drama, trauma. Um, I had a woman who was just stuck in her life and didn't feel valuable. And she went to um, her childhood and her family was amazing. She was confused by her unhappiness and she, her family was amazing and they did everything together, but it was all wrapped around her brother who was a star basketball player. And the parents thought they were all family and doing great. But that little girl encoded that, she wasn't as good as him because she wasn't playing the sport. It wasn't intended. This is the perception of a child. Mm-hmm. So when she flipped that around, when she healed that little girl and stopped the echo, life began to change for her. And she could really change her perception of the world and quiet her
1: heart and her mind. And the exciting thing about these opportunities when we do reach these points, I mean, you say you said also that was it was very... Uh, poignant that we go through life and we're so busy, 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 busy with everything, and that keeps all of these sort of unconscious, subconscious, whatever uh, yeah. things at bay until we reach a breaking point. And but the the exciting thing for me is that it becomes an opportunity to wake up, to wake up to our true nature, to our to our happiness. So. Oh, for sure. I have to
0: tell you when you can look back, like I can look back at my divorce and I'm like, Oh, thank God. He was the, absolutely the man that I was supposed to have my babies with and spend those years with. But I, life has changed so much for me and I've grown and I feel whole and complete and I healed and happy and joyful, not only happy, but joyful. Mm Um, I couldn't have done that without the divorce. So when you can look back at at your past and release that emotional bridge and untether yourself from it, Connie, then you can soar. Then you can look at it with wisdom. And there's nothing but growth in that.
1: The other thing I liked about the beginning of the book, because I used to do this, too. I used to sit around with my little friends, my neighbors, Karen and Sharon. Shout out to them. I don't know if they listen. (laughs) We used to sit around and wish that we could fly, too. You mentioned that in the book. I mean, how many of us, we want to fly when we're young, or we want to uh, metaphorically fly, and we feel that freedom until life kind of beats us down. Uh, I love that. I re- yeah. I, it reminded me of that that joy. And then after my um, flying wishes, I started dreaming up this flying car idea. And I'm still waiting for that. I want a little <laughs> flying car. So, But I digress. So let's get back to your book. So, well, no, I want to
0: get to a very clear point here is that when you were talking about that just then, that – feeling of you and your friends and you're thinking about flying (laughs) the joy just came out of you yeah it's very important when we're feeling stuck in our life or we have a difficult situation to drop into that memory anchor that feeling of joy and freedom and lightness and you can bring that back into your day when you're struggling we can do that every single day go to a memory that holds such joy for you and you that lights you up Anchor that in, breathe that in, and bring it into your day, mm-hmm.
1: and it helps. And that's what I love about your book is at the end of every chapter, you have these great uh, exercises and practices because happiness to me is a practice. Joy mm-hmm. is a practice. I mean, you know, life is going to beat us down here and there and everywhere, and we have to practice it. So um, I want to I want to get into some of the uh the, the the things that stuck out for me in your book but i liked in the beginning also you used the idea of a tv remote as an analogy for the subconscious and i was wondering if you could kind of explain that because that made so much sense especially for those of us who are remote challenged <laughs> i know my mom will will appreciate this because uh, my dad has his remote programmed. So, uh, yeah. it's so complicated. And I have, I have it in the,
0: I mean, you know, my, the women in, in, in listening will really relate to this. You know, you can't find the input you're trying to go. It's now you don't even know how to get into the next thing. And you definitely don't know how to record. It's so frustrating. And then you just stop trying and you throw it away <laughs> because there's a perception that I can never learn that. That's what people feel about the subconscious mind. There's no way I'm going in there. No, I don't know what I'm going to find or I can't do it. It's not true. You just have to learn some skills. This is why I wrote the book, because we're not taught how to manage. And once you just spend some time looking in, feeling safe enough trusting yourself uh, to learn it, then you can absolutely know how to go in and find your channel and record and look up and see what's come when your favorite shows coming on. It's just a sense of ease. And you don't have to throw the remote, you just stop and you look within and you'll be able to just, you know, guide yourself through your own life. I like to say, if you're not in your subconscious mind, then it's like someone else is driving your car also, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mm-hmm. feel safe. You need to learn how to drive your own car and work your own remote, true. and there's such a sense of freedom and
1: lightness that comes with that. I it's not that. that hard to do either. Good. Okay, it, I just want to ask you, Renee, do you believe this is true, and you give many examples of different clients you've worked with. Do you think it's true at any age? If we want to delve into the unconscious at you know, 70, 80 years old, is it still – available and and possible and safe
0: oh absolutely um i don't work with people with uh active dementia because their connections are a little bit distorted Uh but what i can do is relax them uh but when they when they're distorted, their version of the world is distorted. It's hard to go back and do that. but relaxation, just get into the state of hypnosis is very cleansing and very relaxing and powerful. so that's why we like baths so much because we drop into that relaxed state mm-hmm. um, and I work I just finished working with a beautiful his, his daughter's a client, and she sent me your dad. Uh, I had worked with her on some grief through the death of her mom and her dad was really struggling. And she goes, can you help him? He's 78. I said, absolutely. So he came in, it took him a while. Uh, 60% of my clients are men by the way. And uh, so it takes them a little while, but they get here because they see the logic of it. And we talked a lot, uh, did some grief work. Grief work is just re-remembering the person who died, not at death scene, not at sickness, but those joys, From before that, when you can anchor into those, it's really amazing. And he understood that being alone was pushing some buttons for him from childhood. And when we helped him, he did great. And I got a little note from his uh, daughter recently that he's got a little girlfriend and but he's not doing it because he needs to be with someone. He's feeling really joyful and uh, she's just super happy about the way he's moved forward in his life at seventy
1: eight. Mm, That's so sweet. I'm so glad we talked about that, because I do believe that we can we can develop personally at any age. And I think I think it's daunting to some people. But I I want to just put that out there right now. Oh, absolutely.
0: Now there's two, all the stuff that I do is based in science. I've been a nurse forever. So I come from this platform of Mm -hmm. science. And there's two things that your client, your um, audience might want to look into that proves them that they can change. One is neuroplasticity. You can literally change your mind in three to four weeks by shifting that negativity to positive. Uh, It literally changes the way you fire and wire your brain. The other one is epigenetics. Epigenetic is proven that your perception of your possibilities of disease or your disease process can change. You can change the... um, the receptors of genes based on your thoughts because your thoughts send out chemical reactions to your body and they're all connected. So neuroplasticity and epigenetics proven science
1: that this works. Mm, Very good. Very good. I always like to be a science based. So thank you for that. You talk about in uh, one of your chapters, the inner child and the inner critic can you can you address those a little bit and just tell us bring those to our awareness and tell us how important those are to uh make friends with I guess <laughs> Oh, we must
0: because they're ruling the roost. So inner critic and inner child are very, as an adult, this is how you know they're showing up. So inner critic is that critical voice. And if it sounds like your parent, it probably it comes from parents because it's called the parent ego. And um, if you hear things like, you can't do that, you're so stupid, or why are you doing that? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you do that. Or uh, it's not even a possibility for you or you don't deserve love. That's inner critic. But I have to tell you that inner critic thinks that it's trying to keep you safe or happy. It has the highest intention, but it's just running an old program, perhaps that used to work for you. It's usually protecting. And mm. it, I have people who so negative their inner critic, and when I talk to that part in hypnosis, it lets me know it'd rather see that person stuck and alone than open up to the possibility of hurt or failure. It's Be-
1: pretty. Because you say in the book, the unconscious mind wants us to be happy now. So even if that yeah. means the inner critic is speaking really loudly in a loud voice telling us we are not worthy of something, it's only because they're protecting their perceived it's perceived uh, idea of our happiness. Is that correct? Yes, because it'd rather see
0: you safe and happy alone and stuck than, uh, then, putting yourself out there for failure or uh, disappointment. So it's amazing. I work with a lot of addicts and when they they drink so they can quiet their mind so they can find some happiness, it doesn't make sense, but it does in the subconscious mind. That's why it's important to make friends with your inner critic and inner child because it helps you move forward and release that conflicting behavior. That part of you that knows that you want to do this and the part of you that's arguing against it when you get those aligned physically and emotionally, you just feel better. And if, you're, if, you're, if your readers are, I mean, your um, listeners are hearing themselves, I want it, I want it now, what does that sound like, Connie, right? It sounds like a,
1: a, a child. It sounds like, uh, what's her name in uh, Willy Wonka? I want yeah. it now. Yeah, the <laughs> the big blueberry, the girl it. that turned into the blueberry, it wasn't good, didn't work out well for her. No, yeah. it
0: doesn't. Yeah. But I want it. I want it now is the inner child who that behavior, that sugar, that cookie, that whatever it is, is going to make you feel better. The subconscious mind's job is to move you away from pain towards pleasure and it doesn't see the consequences. It wants to help you now. So... You're going to run to that if that's the only way you know how to make yourself feel better. So every time you make a decision to a maladaptive behavior like smoking or eating too much or not exercising, it's that inner child. So when you get that in aligned, the healthy adult you will know that this is what we do to maintain our human body. This is what we do to Feel better this is what we do. we have to sleep and when you get all those aligned, life just gets a little bit
1: easier. So maybe you can take us through that's a great example the food addictions, the smoking, alcohol, drugs. maybe in that moment when the unconscious mind is saying, "I want it now give us one one thing that's in your book perhaps that we could use as a tool to practice just to um, to be aware and maybe break some some patterns
0: so awareness is really the key um because you you cannot change anything if you're not aware of it that's why it has to come sub up you have to bring it from the subconscious mind listen your subconscious mind's always trying to talk to you it's giving you it starts as a whisper and it gets louder and louder so it's just learning some techniques to be able to um listen but when you're in that moment of because that idea of you're pulling into the drive-through before you even know it, that's happening, and your subconscious mind's been trying to talk to you through the day, but it, you're not listening, you're not paying attention. So there, it's going to scream at you, and now you're going to drive in to get some French fries because it's going to make you feel better. Because uh, you don't know what's going on, you don't know why you feel uneasy. So the best way to do, and I have to tell you, when we're trying to suppress emotion, I have a whole chapter in this book called blue, "Breather," it can make you blue, because the One, movement. if you don't breathe, you do get blue. You don't True get motion. oxygen. <laughs> but human beings, we're, we try to hold our breath to suppress emotion. It's fight, flight, or freeze. This is the freeze component where, you know, the animals that like put their paws up and they pretend they're dead and mm-hmm. they stop breathing when they, when they feel threatened. Or the deer in the middle of the road, they're trying to suppress being seen. So we hold our breath and suppress emotion. But the truth is, if you learn to allow emotion, if you take big breaths in, not only do you get more oxygen, you expand your chest and that feels more empowered, confident. But also when you take that big breath in, Connie, and hold it, you're pushing on the vagal nerve right at the diaphragm just slightly. And that allows you to find a sense of ease and focus. It's like pushing a pause button on it And when you do that, then you can reframe the thoughts. So if people just, if I just have my clients just start breathing through the day and the morning and mid-morning and just pay attention to the breathing, they normally feel better because if you allow emotion, they will release. It's just like when we cut our arm, we don't have to tell ourselves how to heal. It's the same with emotions. We just need to learn some techniques to allow and breathing is a great
1: start in that. Mm, I love that. You're preaching to the choir. I'm a yoga teacher. Yeah. I'm. I love the breath. I love just what what it can do in such a short amount of time. It's just it's miraculous, really.
0: Yeah, I have people that tell me all the time, especially if they're going, I just can't feel like I get a big breath mm. um, because you're trying to hold emotion, but that's your 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 body is your subconscious mind's GPS. It's always trying to talk to you. So let me ask you Connie, when you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed or fear, where do you tend
1: to feel that in your body? I feel it in my belly a lot and okay. I I consciously go there and release my belly because in my but, in my be, growing up a uh, a young woman who was conscious about her looks, I was always holding in my belly, working out, work doing ab exercises, and I'm also a singer, so it's counterintuitive to hold the belly in it doesn't doesn't work when you're trying to sing and it and um the freedom there's no freedom so right so yeah i've worked with that a lot but yeah i feel it in my belly so um go ahead
0: so i was just gonna say that's called this is another way for uh people to release emotion and in a backdoor way, talk to the subconscious mind. Because wherever you feel it, stomach or people feel it in their chest sometimes, this is called the felt sense. This is feeling the sensation of emotion, energy in motion. It's another warning sign for your subconscious mind. So if you drop into that feeling in your stomach, just for a minute, breathe and drop into it, guess what? You're actually dropping into the subconscious mind. And if you can attach an emotion to it. Oh, this feels like fear. Then start listening because the subconscious mind's talking to you all day long. What am I afraid of right now? Then you can start arguing for the truth. You can tell yourself in that state, I'm safe, I'm capable, whatever it is. But if you don't know what emotion it is, there's a technique that you can do to allow it. By allowing the sensation, you actually allow the emotion and you feel relief. And, um, that techniques in the book when you just learn to allow, um, those feelings in our chest or our stomach or our neck or whatever it is.
1: Yeah. I think that felt sense idea is really important because a lot of us are so detached from it. And I know just for me, even sitting here trying to really recognize the emotion behind this, the tension in the belly, it's Mm -hmm. not easy to find. (laughs) It's not really easy to, um, it isn't,
0: but if you, if you, um, if you get used to it and you do it through the day, you'll get better at it. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's okay. If you can't, if you just say, okay, just put your hand on your belly and you take that big breath in. And without any judgment, you send that feeling, that sensation in your stomach, It sounds a little corny, love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. If you do that, it begins to release. And when it begins to release, then you gain clarity about how you want to move forward. But we must pause through the day and listen to these signs and breathe. And by the end of the day, We're going to have more energy to move our bodies, to make better eating choices, to sleep better, to feel more connected to your family, whatever it is that's going on for you in your life.
1: Mm. And I also love in the book, you talk about happiness as not being a cookie cutter thing. It's different for everyone and everyone experiences joy and happiness and uh, pleasure in different ways. So giving yourself permission to find your own experience of happiness is really important. I think, I think, and freeing. Absolutely. Because if you're not living your version of happy,
0: that's why self-awareness, this book is really intended to start paying attention and gain the self-awareness about what your happy looks like. Mm -hmm. And when you do that and you're living your own version, then you're freed up to make choices for yourself, um, to, Live the life that you want to live.
1: If you don't, your subconscious mind is going to be pushing on you. I love that you also talked about Diana Nyad, the swimmer, because I also appreciate her so much. She's uh. she's probably in her late sixties now, but she is a yeah. woman who tried many times to uh, swim from Miami to Cuba, right? And she recently yeah. did it, and it was, I mean, harrowing. And talk about why you appreciate her so much and what she represents to you. Well, it's incredible,
0: the strength in this woman. If there's an incredible documentary, I would encourage anyone to go go check it out. It's an incredible story. But she didn't give up. I mean, she was... Um, naysayers and failures and people warning her and not believing in her and she had this inner desire that she trusted that inner voice telling her you can do this and her story is remarkable and the most powerful thing that I in that documentary besides seeing that joy in her face when she actually completed it and um it just moves me every time I think about it. She said that the hardest part for her was jumping in the water in Cuba to get started that was the hardest part and that's such a metaphor for so many women and people in this world we're afraid to get started we're afraid to start paying attention to our subconscious mind we're afraid to put in that application because we're fear of rejection Mm -hmm. just jump in and trust she trusted that she would find a way she trusted that she had the right people in the boat next to her if she got into trouble to keep her safe and um, that is it so she trusted herself to jump in and she trusted herself to handle anything that came, um, on her path. And, uh, it's beautiful. And I live that in my life. Truly.
1: Yeah. Are you a swimmer too?
0: I, I used to be a swimmer, <laughs> but now I'm just swimming through life. It's not easy, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: truly, <laughs> truly. I, but I just love that, that you brought her into the book because I think she's a great example of, and I'm sure she worked through some inner demons. I mean, you, you don't get there without, No, No she had to. So I, um, we
0: have to live outside our comfort zone. I call it that okay zone or I'm fine zone. Mm -hmm. Right. And outside of that is the adventure zone. And that's where we learn and we grow. But on the other side of that, Connie, is the panic zone. So if we keep ourselves very narrow going out of the okay zone into the adventure zone, we may hit up against the panic zone if we're not aware of it. And then we rush right back and we don't want to go out again. So I encourage people one step at a time do one thing, Eleanor Roosevelt's quote, do something every day that scares you, I live by that because when you go outside your okay zone, into the adventure zone, you learn and it expands and it almost is like a balloon, you put air in it every time you go out there and it gets, your okay zone gets bigger, your adventure zone gets wider and panic gets far away and before you know it you're living that life that you want you're feeling good and you trust yourself around every corner. And that just is amazing. And that's where true joy comes from and happiness.
1: I'd like to give some examples here. And maybe we can start. Well, in my experience, I'm an actress. And um, I had a little early success when I, I I was in high school and uh, I had done the musical Grease, and one of my friends called me and said they're auditioning for the movie, uh, and they're 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 having auditions uh, in every state, and they wanted to bring in uh, like one person from every state to represent high school students. So I went and auditioned, and there were like a thousand people there, and I had that sense of panic toward the end, and I luckily had this woman who was part of this uh, the casting who came up to me and said, you know, Connie, you really have a good chance and she gave me a little bit of encouragement because I was I was so panicked I was ready to back out Mm -hmm. and luckily I did and I I won and I was one of the I was the one representative from Maryland and I flew at 17 flew to California and shot the movie Grease which is an iconic movie I think with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John and so that gave me a little bit of um of spark you know I went to college after that and then like every once in a while I go back to that and I think, wow, that was a pretty big win for an early age. And I kind of, I was too stupid to be scared, I guess, back then. But now at my age, I'm a little more, um, I have a little more trepidation before I go into a casting and I, you know, those voices speak to me. So what are some things we can do to sort of, as you said, ease in and build those muscles if we're just getting started on following through with one of some of our dreams.
0: So awareness of your perception of yourself and your false beliefs is, is a good place to start. And, um, so, cause happiness really is a perception of, mm-hmm. um, of our life, you know, it's, and, um, you know, happiness is the art of that perception. So knowing that, and then going back to those memories. So it's just the perception of success. So if, Someone may not have, you know, there's a beautiful story, and I'm going to look for you next time I watch that movie. (laughs) Oh, you you can't blink, (laughs) but I am
1: in there. I'm in there. Yeah.
0: But I think that's wonderful because you had an example for yourself of success and your capability of of moving through it, even if you felt panicked. That's inspiring. Everybody has those stories but sometimes we put on our own blinders. We can see everyone else's successes and everyone else's capability, but for some reason, we have a hard time looking within. So first of all, I would encourage everyone to just drop in and close their eyes, take some big breaths, and find a time when you felt determined, successful, healthy, and go to that and and anchor in what that in that moment you felt because we're all looking for the feeling of that's it. A car, a donut, whatever it is, we're looking for the feeling of. So go to a time when you felt that success, when you felt strong and confident. When you do that, then you can carry that into just moving one step out. Even if things, when you move out your comfort zone and it doesn't go exactly the way you want, some people are innately, naturally on hyper alert because they've had some kind of situation in their past, or that's their personality type now, where they're scanning for the negative. Mm -hmm. In every moment when you step out, I want people to scan. I teach my clients to do that. Scan for a success in that moment. Maybe it's just that you actually, you know, i never went in elevators and I got in the elevator, but then I got right out of the elevator. Mm -hmm. That's a success, right? right? I made an airplane reservation but I canceled it, but I thought about it and I actually did it. You know, that's a success. Even if it feels like a failure, failure is the perception, right? So when you do something, find, look, scan for the positive in it and, um, and, and you in retraining your brain neurologically, when you do that, when you shift and find one thing positive.
1: Okay. So that's appreciating the small steps, finding gratitude yep. for yep. small yep. Uh, victories. Good. Good. I like yeah. that. I like that. I love that you talk about health and exercise because it makes this book just so holistic. I mean, we, we need to move our bodies. I mean, it just makes us feel good. So, So I love that you put that chapter in there and there's some great ideas there. But one of the most poignant chapters I think is forgiveness. And you talk about your own journey with your mom. And I feel like if we could heal some of these wounds, we could we could move forward so much faster in life. That, uh, and maybe you can just talk about your personal journey a little bit and how that helped for you to move forward and get all this great work done.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, if you notice the chapters, I like a play on word and that chapter is <laughs> called, uh, let's talk about the F word and, yeah. uh, it's forgiveness. And I tell all my clients that one forgiveness and self-acceptance Because that's self-acceptance is self-forgiveness, is the key to really moving forward. If you don't accept yourself or your past situation, forgive yourself and others, you are stuck like cement. You are tethered to that forever. And it is a heavy load to carry. So forgiveness is super important. I had a mother who was an alcoholic and single i was five of six children and she just wasn't capable she just had her own false beliefs and i and i know now she was doing the best that she can but she was dying of lung cancer and i had an incredible woman tell me that renee you really want to have that conversation with her now because you don't want to have it at her at her grave it's harder and um i i my mom was not an open person. I really don't know too much about my mom to honest how she felt about her life. How she just was closed off and um and it was hard for me growing up, but I I learned and knew that it wasn't me personally. She was doing the best that she could. And forgiveness not accepting the what someone has done to you badly. You don't have to it, you don't have to um forget it or make it okay. Forgiveness was I knew was about me. It was about me being able to move forward from the rest of my life and just cutting that chain of that. So um, I had a beautiful conversation you can read about in the book. It's hard for me whenever I read it, I'm re- I'm t- it's so funny. I'm doing my uh, audio book. Now I, I, I have a hard time getting through that without crying mm. because it's such a powerful moment when I s- knelt in front of my sick mom and I told her, I looked at her. I said, you don't have to say anything. She was very uncomfortable. Her, she had fright in her eyes. And I said, I just want to let you know that I'm going to cry. Um, I'm, I just want to let you know that I'm sorry for being a difficult child, because I was, I was in survival mode and I was just uh, taking care of myself. And I happened to do that with not being very nice. Sometimes I had a very uh, clever tongue and I said, and I also want to let you know that I forgive you. I know you were doing the best that you could. She didn't say a word to me, Connie. She just looked at me and tear rolled down her eye. And I knew in that moment that we had both healed. And when, um, I came back to, later that in another month to put her in hospice, things had changed. It was like this invisible, nothing had changed in our lives. We still had our past together, but this invisible barrier to connecting had shifted. And I, spe- I spent the best crazy to think putting your mom in hospice, We had the best time because we were clear, we were connected. And you can do that if you have something in your past that's got this invisible barrier around you, then you're not truly connected to people in your life. And when you release it and stand in forgiveness and for you and yourself and others, it frees you up and you find such joy in your life. I just can't express this enough to people. It's just, it's, it's an incredible experience, and I would encourage anyone to work through it. And if you can't do it on your own, find some professional help to do it.
1: Mm, yes, that's so profound. Thank you for sharing that, Renee. I, I, I learned uh, this, this uh, saying, I guess, that um, we, should, we should try to say to everyone, I'm sorry, I love you, please forgive me. And, and I, I tried that with my own mom, and she goes, "What a, what, what a <laughs> wait a minute what, what am I forgiving you for? What? And she got real deep, about it. but I think it's really profound. If we can, we all have things to forgive one another for in this life and just to humble ourselves and acknowledge that. And, you know, I love you. I'm sorry. And yeah. move forward and it's freeing. And it's just saying those words, getting them out.
0: It is. That's yeah. a, a pono, I think, is, is a Hawaiian prayer mm, right, for that. Right. And you live your life um, knowing your accountability in this world. If something's going on for you, to look at your own accountability and move forward and ask for forgiveness. For me, one of my greatest assets and kept me healthy in my life was I could forgive others um, and accept them where they are, not where I wanted them to be. But what I didn't accept Um, in the long run was myself. And I was really hard on myself and judgmental about myself. And man, is it easier when you're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Gandhi says holding on to anger is like poison, Mm -hmm. uh, drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. Yeah. And, uh, you know, stop poisoning yourself and really just feel the freedom in that.
1: And we're human. We're all human. We all do stupid stupid stuff (laughs) we just do
0: so and the difference between healthy and not healthy is knowing that I did something stupid but I not the I am stupid when you believe I am stupid that halts you in your tracks but you know when you can laugh at yourself and yeah that was kind of stupid uh it, it shifts how you manage your day
1: yeah for sure and then I love that you included a whole chapter on fun what i mean how important is fun just finding the laughter in these silly situations we get ourselves in and having some fun yeah it's great that's that's good and you have a chapter on ptsd we won't go into it now but reprogramming and and i love that you included tapping i think that's a really powerful exercise i did a podcast on that and um i th- i think that's important information to have out there but i did want to get to Uh, sleep because I think so many people I I teach a yoga class called nightcap yoga and it's supposed to prepare us for sleep and it's popular because so many people especially women have trouble turning their brains off and I think if we do some of this work it's it's appropriate that it's one of the last chapters in the book because we do this work and then we can have a decent nice night sleep unless there's you know barring any physical uh, conditions You want to talk about that just a little bit?
0: Certainly. A lot of people come in to my office and like, I don't know why I haven't slept in two years. Um, My mind keeps racing. Generally speaking, people who can't get to sleep are worrying about the past and people who wake up in the middle of the night are worrying about the future. That's the name of my next book, uh, Oh No, I Worry About Worrying, because yeah. it's, it's so it's devastating. I didn't have enough room in my chapter, in my book to talk about it, so I'm going to mm-hmm. write in a whole nother book about how it affects us. Um, but sleep is one of them. And it's really hard to make these changes and find the strength to uh, make these shifts in our life if we're not sleeping at night, to be honest. So it's, it's the last chapter of have in. It, next to forgiveness, one of the most important. And um, if you're not talking or paying attention to your subconscious mind through the day, it, if it, the only time it can, you're listening to it is when you put your head down on a pillow. It's going to start yelling at you. So you must, if, just starting off, if you just start doing some of the techniques through the day and listening to your subconscious mind and finding little pauses and little relief, you will sleep better. For sure. You'll eat better, you'll sleep better if you exercise. All of that leads into uh, sleeping. Now, what happens when you go into sleep is you drop into a natural uh brain wave, into a delta brainwave. So what I said earlier in the in the in the in the interview was hypnosis is only change in a brainwave. So if you could teach yourself hypnosis, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, by the way, I can't make people say or do or think anything they don't want to do. When you drop into that alpha wave and then into a theta, that drops you into delta. You're naturally when you go to sleep every night going into a hypnotic state. So if some people have a hard time turning it off, I have them do the techniques through the day. Before you go to bed, you write everything that's racing around in your brain. You keep a journal. And then you just, because you're always talking to the subconscious mind, you take that, you turn it over, and you tell yourself, subconscious mind, I want you to help me find solutions for this while while I'm sleeping. And you're sending a signal, a very clear signal to your subconscious mind, it's time to turn off. I don't do the whole you know, turn off the TV an hour before or your phone because, you know, those are things you can do, but people just aren't going to do them, Connie, let's be real. Yeah. So if your phone, cell phone is in your room, turn it over so you can't see the flashes of the light and do it that way. Mm. And if you do that and you're still not able to slow down, I tapping or EFT is a good way to get started, but also I have a recording on my website, a free meditation for sleep that takes you naturally into a delta wave. And that's at practicehappynow.com. And people can go and get a sleep meditation. That naturally takes them into a, uh, a delta wave. And uh, people. I have so many people all over the world saying, you know, Renee, I sleep with you every night. And it's yeah. kind of funny.
1: <laughs> well, that, that's a great way to practice as well. And you do kind of build those muscles, again, by using yeah. that guided meditation. Just as a little aside, talking about the unconscious, once we are getting... A decent night's sleep we might notice we are dreaming more intensely can you talk about what the unconscious mind is doing with our dreams it's incredible so it's you know it's downloading your memories um uh, it's
0: healing it's helping you find solutions you're, you're doing there's so many amazing things that go on uh in sleep uh that we just can't do when we're awake and when we're in a Delta wave, uh, beta wavelength. So we must drop into this really deep Delta wave. And um, so you're, you're just downloading information and you're moving through it and it's helping you find solutions. And um, whether you're, can visually remember your dreams or not that's happening anyway. Some people are just more visual than others and um, just trust that it's helping you find solutions. And if you get a recurring nightmare, they say to just put yourself in like that is you. If you keep seeing a mouse or something, make that you and then try to see um, what's the message that I'm getting. So if you just close your eyes and say, please show me the message and that it helps you, but your subconscious mind is just downloading information. It's aligning you. It's Your so fascinating. Truth.
1: Some of those dreams are really freaky and crazy, and uh, yeah. and just like make no sense. But yeah, I'm gonna try that dropping into the mouse next time I see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you here to show me? Okay. Uh, so finally, uh, after we're practicing this, I this is the way I put it, and I I liken this to yoga and even religious practices. I feel like when we practice these these um, this The practice of stillness for me Mm -hmm. is a way to um, provide a soft place for God. I call it God. I call her God to land in my life. So can you talk about a little bit the intersection of the unconscious subconscious with spirituality and um, how that can work to help us find happiness? Because I do think that's a component absolutely so my specialty uh
0: i see a lot of people with anxiety sleep disorders and uh, addiction and i find that when we're so fearful because anxiety is just a symptom of fear uh, it's because we're not connected to something something other than ourselves when we feel alone and lost it's very hard to stay grounded and so it's whatever it is it's and you can connect to something outside of yourself in a in an altered brainwave which is a alpha wave or a theta wave um and to do that now not everybody i don't deal with specific religions or beliefs i i call it the god of your understanding if it's universe or maybe it's just logic that it's logical for us to connect to something to find something that that we feel connected to maybe it's the energy of the world whatever it is it's very, very important to feel this sense of connection. And the way to do that is to drop into an altered brainwave. And so I would encourage everybody to do this at least 5-10 minutes a day. I do my own practice every day. Um, Even though I'm in and out of hypnosis with my clients, you must learn your truth. And if your mind is so busy with worry, you're worried about the past, you're worried about the future, you're not staying here. It's when we do that, it's because we don't want to look in. When we're outside looking at everything else or taking care of everybody else, we cannot feel connected to ourselves. When we're not connected to ourselves, it's impossible to connect to a God or a universe or something you know brighter and higher than ourselves. So it's important. The most important thing is higher self or higher perspective. And I also have a meditation, a free meditation Uh, that connects people to their higher self, them at their fullest potential. And they may see God, they may just see themselves reaching their goals, whatever it is. Super important to hear that reframe in our life every day um, when we open our eyes. So find a way, but you can't, positive thinking doesn't work in a stressed out, go, go, go human state. You must do it in an alt- in an altered wave in an alpha
1: wave. And then that's where change happens. That's where your happiness lives. Mm, beautiful. Thank you for addressing that. And I also just would like to add that uh, reading sacred text, truly sacred text and, and contemplating sitting with them quietly can also take us into that unconscious, um, because it does open up some doorways for us. So I think it's really – it's it's an important aspect of our, our happy, healthy lives. <laughs> so, oh, for sure. So. Well,
0: prayer, uh, group prayer, prayer mm-hmm. especially, mm-hmm. is uh, very hypnotic. And the cadence of the preacher or the rabbi or whatever is very um, – they're actually giving you suggestions while you're in this rhythm of praying and singing. It's all hypnotic.
1: Mm -hmm. And chant, chant. And chanting,
0: chanting, all of it just drops you into the alpha wave. wave, And that's when you get these beautiful insights. That's when the word of your yoga teacher after you're done and they're talking to you, you do that every day. You put someone in an alpha Mm -hmm. wave. If you're an instructor, uh, the preacher, that's when it really gets to your heart. It's because you're in an altered brainwave.
1: Yeah, yeah beautiful thank Mm -hmm. you so much Renee can you give us all your information and how to find the book Uh, how big is your butt? (laughs) I like a
0: play on words. So how big is your butt? Of course, it's on Amazon. Uh, It's Kindle and it's, it's, it's a hard copy. And then I am working on my audio and I'll have that done shortly. Then you also could go to practicehappynow.com If you just want to check out a couple chapters of the book and see what we're talking about, and please download those two free meditations, they will help they're, they're just so amazing to go into that state and retrain your brain. Uh, that's the book. And then you could go to Renee Brent hypnosis.com. If you want to know more about hypnotherapy, about helping yourself, I have links to some more interviews, that sort of thing. And, um, just, you know, I do Skype sessions and I'm happy, happy to answer any questions or help people guide them in any direction. Uh, that they want in their local area and just email me at ReneeBrentHypnosis.com. Um,
1: Good. You are happy, happy. I'm so, so excited <laughs> that we finally connected and um, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to that higher self meditation. I'm going to go listen to that right now. So thank you so much and have a happy, healthy, wonderful day.
0: <laughs> I will. Thank you. And thank for you do. Your show is amazing. So I'm glad you're out there.